Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, happy Wednesday, everybody. I am so thrilled to kick off today's episode and share with you our guest today, the incredibly talented Julia S. Powell. Julia is an artist based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, who specializes in oil and watercolor paintings. Her work has been featured in publications like Marie Claire, Boston Magazine, Architectural Digest, and more. And her artwork has sold at auction at the New Britain Museum of American Art and the Peabody Essex Museum. And in 2017, Julia was chosen as the VIP print artist for the Museum of Fine Arts Boston 2017 Summer Gala. Today, Julia and I will be chatting about how she decided to leave her career in law to pursue her career as an artist, the inspiration behind her paintings, advice she has for those looking to step into the industry, and what she took away from the pandemic. I'm really looking forward to you hearing her story, so you know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Julia Powell, your artwork has been featured in publications like Marie Claire, Architectural Digest, and Boston Magazine, and it was even seen on the Mindy Project. You were also chosen as the VIP print artist for the Museum of Fine Arts Boston Summer Gala in 2017. I am so excited to chat about your career. Um, Thank you so much for coming on to chat. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of course. And like, you know, I had just said to you before we started recording, we've never had an artist on the podcast before. And I think it makes for a really cool and interesting conversation, sort of just tapping into your brain and um, hearing your story and how you got involved with it, because you actually started your career as a corporate lawyer and then shifted into art. So would you mind sort of introducing, I guess, your origin story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was um, trained as an attorney. Um, I've actually never taken sort of an official art class in, in high school or college but I was always sort of doodling or watercoloring on the side. I just didn't um, think of it as like a viable career option. Um, No one in my family was a visual artist and I just, I'm not sure. Um, It just didn't seem like a way to earn a living, Um, but I loved it. Like it was sort of in my bones. I was watercoloring from the age of five and my mom doesn't really know like where that came from. And then when I was in law school, I actually started um, doing wedding invitations for friends and relatives, just like these little whatever trees or something that they would use. And so I was kind of doing it and getting some, I would say, good feedback from other people. But again, it was just a small part of um, how I was spending my time. And then um, I was living in Manhattan and I was working for a big corporate law firm and um, anyone who knows those jobs, it's just, it's really a grind. And um, if you, if you're excited about what it would look like at the top of that, then I think maybe it's worth it. But if you're not even excited about sort of what the partners are doing, it's probably not the best place to be. And so I came back to Boston, which is where I grew up in in Cambridge, actually, and um, worked at a smaller firm. It was a much better fit. 
And then um, about eight years ago, my brother, I have two older brothers, they're fabulous. And one of them gave me an easel and oil paints uh, for Christmas and my birthday, which are, they're five days apart. And, um, was just like, I think you're really talented, but I think you should try oil painting. But it was funny just cause, um, like I had a job, you know, I, I wasn't just, you know, like right. searching. Um, but he just really thought that I would be good at it and like it. And, um, he said some interesting things about painting and, I'd written a book, which I hadn't been able to get published. And so I was kind of feeling down creatively. And so I, I started it and I worked at it and I was on YouTube a lot and um, kind of figuring out technique and my own style. And then Instagram was hugely important. And I built up my Instagram account and then um, maybe three, two or three years into it, I was able to quit uh, law and just um, be a professional artist full time. That's really interesting. So I guess you started growing up, you started with watercolor, it sounds like. And then it was really, you know, doing job like a couple jobs here and there and more so it was a hobby. Um, but then it wasn't until you started something completely new and did oil paintings. And that's when you really, I mean, did you think you could do it as a career? Um, was it sort of a big jump? Um, I think that um, being a watercolor artist as a career is very difficult because um, just like what watercolor sells for, frankly, in the art world, like they're, they're smaller pieces, their works on paper and works on paper are valued differently from works on canvas for, you know, whatever historical reasons that is. And so I, I think people who make a living as watercolor artists, that's very challenging. Um, all of this I was kind of figuring out, but I was lucky in that I, half of my brain is analytical. It is, you know, there's a reason I went to law school. And so I think I really sort of tried to figure out what are the pitfalls and what are some things that you can try to do to actually make it work. And so early on, I recognized that Instagram was a great way to connect directly to clients and buyers. Whereas if you are represented by a gallery, which I was for a time, they take 50% which I don't know if people know, but like if you go into a gallery and you buy a piece of work that the artist is getting 50%. And some galleries, I had a great gallery in Boston, but some galleries, you know, they're not doing much to, to market your work and they're taking a, a fairly large cut. And the other thing I realized was that women um, tend to undervalue their art. And so they, and men tend to overvalue their art. Um, so it's like, <laughs> Uh, you know, basically I just start, I, I decided I was going to like say it was worth something and then commit to that. Um, and I had some friends who were successful who helped me with that. Um, so. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting. And even just hearing you say that too, I think with artwork and, you know, looking back on the history of it, I feel like it's very similar to literature in that sense where the big names from, 100, 200 years ago were primarily men. So I feel like it is, and hopefully, I mean, it is from an outsider's perspective, getting a little bit better now <laughs> in 2021 um, in terms of inclusivity and being able to highlight different, different voices, different um, artists in that sense. But 
Yeah, I think it must be a very interesting leap. And it's it's funny because I know a lot of people just from my personal life, friends who I think are very gifted and, you know, are very good at art, um, whether it be painting or drawing um, sketches, et cetera. Um, but they don't really go further with it than using it as a hobby. And I feel like with any sort of career in the arts, and I, I hear that a lot from different people, like in the broad umbrella of the arts that come on and say with, um, with any of those professions, there is a lot of stigma around using it as a, you know, as a career, as a way to make money and make a living. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Stigma. I mean, there's, there's two, two parts to it. One, one part is that, um, I think you're right that talking about money while creating mm-hmm. your art, that is stigmatized. Um, and yet like no one can do it professionally unless you're earning an income. Um, but I do think it's sort of like, there's this sense that you should just do it because you love it um, and not think about the financial repercussions. And that does a real disservice to talented artists. Mm-hmm. And I also think like sort of um, parallel to that is, is that there is, there's so many talented artists out there. We, we know, you know, random people who will just do something and you're like, oh my gosh, that's really good. Um, I think particularly people who can um, realistically render something, that's, that's something that human beings tend to um, see as being talent in art. And I, I certainly recognize that, like someone who can draw like um, a human face, right? That's similar right. to, that's, but there's, there's two parts to that one is like being able to do that doesn't necessarily um, mean that you can do it in an interesting way or do it in a way that makes people, you know, and then secondarily to that, like, you have to be able to market yourself in some way or have someone else market you in order to get your work out there. And so talent is just like sort of one of the smaller bits, I think, that matter to, to being successful as an artist. Um, it has to be there, but like there's a huge pool with talent. And then I think it winnows up um, for people who, you know, do you have the drive? Do you have the work ethic? Are you lucky? Um, are you able to promote yourself or um, gather people around you who promote you? All of those things are so important for for getting out there. And then are you thoughtful about the financial piece of it? Because Otherwise, it will forever remain a hobby. Right. I think especially nowadays, um, you know, you can't, like you said, to your point, I think you can't really rely, like if you're good at art, you can't always rely on a reputation or your, or your talent even. Yeah, I mean, great talent. I mean, that's great for your career. But I think also you have to be able to market what you're creating And I'm curious because you are on social media and that is how you market a lot of your work. That's how I came across you actually. And um, I'm curious, do you think that you've benefited being able to um, get your work, your creations out there into the world? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. I could not, you know, I've I've said this before in um, previous discussions or interviews, like I, I could not do what I do without Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, I would probably work with galleries, but, um, I had kind of a lifestyle 
set up prior to becoming a professional artist where I had financial responsibilities, I had a mortgage, those kinds of things were sort of built in. And um, what I was comfortable with was what like a, a lawyer makes. And I, I had to kind of figure out a way to earn a similar income in order to sort of do what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't, and I don't have a partner who supports me. I have a young daughter. And so the financial piece of it was important. And I don't think I could do um, as well as I do without Instagram because I can connect to like 150,000 people mm -hmm. and almost everything I post is sold uh, within a week. I mean, there's a couple of pieces that are maybe larger and so they're pricier um, or for whatever reason, they just don't sell. But that's because, you know, I can connect to buyers in California and Wisconsin and Florida and New York in the East Coast. Um, I've got a huge client base in Canada. I've got a European client base. They wouldn't, you know, I don't think they'd be able to see my work if it was like just in a brick and mortar gallery. Um, so Instagram, it's, it's kind of everything. And, and I also think my account, it's just art or it's my dog who, um, she recently passed away. So, uh, that's, that's a, that's a tough spot for me, but my dog, um, used to look at my work. Um, she was a golden retriever and, um, it's just sort of a happy, feel good account. There's no, um, you know, like showing off, like, look at my perfect life or body or vacations that I'm taking or my amazing, you know, partner. It's just my paintings and my dog. And I think social media, you know, can cause a lot of anxiety for people who see other people's amazing lives. And this is literally art that's just meant to, like, give you a meditative space to, like, slow down, breathe, find some joy, maybe it'll remind you of a piece of childhood. And so I also think like, um, on the spectrum of what social media does to people, hopefully my account is something that like, brings people some some peace, as opposed to sort of churning anxiety. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I love that you, you know, really focus on the artwork, because and to your point, again, I think, you know, I look at art, and for me, art is something that it's almost a way to escape. It's something that brings great comfort and joy, sometimes depending on the painting, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, it um, creates a lot of lovely imagery for me. And I think that's what a lot of your work is about. And when you have a whole page that just reflects all those paintings you're creating, it's really lovely. And um, I, I think too, just with so many artists across, you know, all different, um, all different subfields of the profession, right? I think I see so many people on Instagram in particular because it's photos, you're sharing photos, you're sharing content. And I, I can only imagine how it's changed the game just in the past 10 years with being able to market your work. Yeah, I think it's absolutely changed the game. My hope also is that it'll also like higher end galleries or even curators um, in museum spaces will start to also directly connect to artists. Like right now, it feels like if you're going to have a big show at a museum or even a small show or something, you kind of have to be represented by one of, you know, whatever, 10 famous large galleries. So there's still a middleman there. And I think social media has helped cut that out cut out the middleman in terms of artists directly connecting with buyers. 
but also for artists to directly connect with art fairs or with mm -hmm. museum spaces, um, shows, things like that. I think that would be really cool too. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're quite there yet. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great point. And I guess for those who aren't familiar with your work, would you mind, I guess, explaining the general themes or maybe the images that you create in your artwork? Yeah, sure. So it's um, colorful, highly textured, semi-abstract landscape. Um, for some people, I can sort of describe it as a, a contemporary impressionism. Um, that's one facet of my work. And another facet is just much more abstract. Um, but the unifying theme of every painting is that it's pretty thick. The paint is laid on in multiple layers. I don't use mediums. Um, and for people who are unfamiliar with that term, a medium in art can be either like watercolor versus oil, or it can be something that is uh, sort of a filler that's added to paint to make it thicker or thinner. And you've got all kinds of mediums, which can be somewhat toxic. And I started, when I started painting, I was in my living room. And, uh, and so I just wanted paint in there. I didn't want there to be turpentine. I didn't want there to be things that you can add to the paint to make it do certain things. And so, um, I just sort of got used to that. And so now I only use oil paint. And so the paintings are pretty heavy and thick, but it's just layers and layers of paint. And the scenes that I return to are looking up at trees, boats, um, abstract water reflections, rivers, um, a field, flower fields. It's colorful. It's kind of spaces that um, remind you, I think of like a summer day in childhood where you're just kind of you know, whatever, looking at the insects, smelling the flowers, looking up at the branches of the trees. It's those kinds of spaces um, or walking through like a, a winter birch scene, um, all very landscape nature oriented. Um, I don't paint uh, people. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm no, I should have probably prefaced with this. I am no expert. <laughs> I took a couple art classes in high school. Um, and I, I've been to several museums, but I am no expert, so I apologize for my lack of probably appropriate terminology. But um, for me, I I love just being able to view your artwork because it's very colorful, but it's also very natural. You um, you know you use a lot of like you said elements of nature, whether it be trees or water, flowers, etc. And I think there's something really beautiful within that because if there's one thing this pandemic taught me, it's how beautiful like the outdoors are. Mm -hmm. um, and just, I think a lot of things that we take for granted, whether it be a flower or a tree or, you know, whatever it may be, just the views around us, it could be, you know, the view outside our bedroom or, or whatever it may be. Um, I think we tend to take those things for granted. And I think that your artwork really sort of proves that, you know, we shouldn't <laughs> and that those, um, those images really are beautiful and there's so much, you know, greatness uh, within that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, thank you for that, for those um, nice words. I, the, the pandemic, absolutely, I think we all kind of got outdoors even more than we usually do for, you know, safety reasons and to just like get out of our tight spaces. But, um, 
I've always been someone who's connected to nature in that way. And I, I think like one of the biggest things I do if I'm kind of in a rut um, and I'm not, or I feel like I'm sort of painting the same thing over and over again, or I'm not pushing myself creatively is to just go outside, go for a hike, go for a walk and just really look at the landscape around us. Even in city spaces, I, I live in a fairly urban area and I go up to Maine every summer and Maine is hugely influential on in my work. But even in the, a green urban area, there's just like incredible little gardens and little finds that you see if you're actually paying attention. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm curious then with the whole pandemic, like I said, I think it really opened a lot of our eyes up to, you know, our surroundings. Did it influence your artwork? Of course you do commission pieces, but it, did it influence any of your, um, your own ideas when it came to the things you were creating? Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing about the pandemic is that when I started, when I started painting, um, it was like a more hopeful, optimistic time, particularly if you're a, a young progressive, which I was. Um, I was like very excited about Obama um, as our president. And um, people were not, at the time when I was like entering juried shows, um, and even now sometimes still, but there was almost like in the contemporary art world, there was almost kind of, um, looking down on beautiful landscape work. It seemed like it was less cool um, and people were doing really kind of dark personal um, paintings. And here I was like trying to create like beautiful contemporary landscapes, which um, it just, it didn't seem that hip, okay, at the time. But I was kind of struggling and figuring out my identity and not sure if I was going to transition from law and um, I kind of going through some, some tough stuff. And so I kind of wanted to paint these really lovely pictures in order to um, as like an antidote to the sort of stuff I was going through, but it was not in vogue. And what was interesting about the pandemic was at that point, um, you know, Trump's president, I think he's a terrible president and um just done so much damage and he's so divisive and our country's so splintered and um, people like hate each other and we shouldn't. And I felt like my art, which really like was taking off every single year, but the pandemic year in particular, I had like a, just a massive year in sales. And mm -hmm. I think part of that was people were struggling and there was darkness in the world. There was this like horrific uh, disease that was really scary. It was really scary for us who knew people who were older or had compromised immune systems. Um, it was really isolating for young people. Um, and then you had a president who just seemed to like divide us and point out all the ways in which we were different and should hate each other as opposed to the ways in which we should come together. And I think people just wanted like a safe space and beautiful art. And so I think one thing about the pandemic was I've, I've never changed. Like I, that's the kind of work I want to do. I think art has so many different, there's so many different um, ways in which art can change people, move people. And sometimes it is creating something that's dark or something that um, highlights like evil parts of history or ways in which we need to do better about a thousand different things, right? Like, you know, racism, starting with that. 
But sometimes art can also just be peaceful and calm and pretty because like you're so oversaturated with the ways in which our society is not great. It's kind of nice to just take some peace and calm. And so I think the pandemic was so hard for so many people and they were kind of trapped indoors that um, a lot of people responded to my work. So that that's sort of one way it shifted, but I didn't actually change that much. Um, I felt really lucky because I, I worked a lot and I was just inside working and I had a very young baby. Um, and so I got to be with her and I was just like working with like a baby. <laughs> it's like what I did for a year. Yeah. It seems like that was like a lot of parents, like trying to blend the two worlds together, like doing work, parenting all like in the same house. And I could only imagine like how chaotic, but also like, I I know a lot of people said that they loved it, um, being able to have that time and sort of even blend those two worlds um, was probably really great. But I think I loved what you said about being able to literally see the emotion, I guess, that your work was, um, you know, evoking. Um, I actually, it's funny, it brought me back to, I was just thinking about as you were saying that, um, I had taken a class in college. I was actually studying abroad and I was at Trinity College in Ireland and at the time, and we had a class, uh, very interesting setup, but it was a religious class, a religious studies class where we had um, select, we, pretty much dove deep into the Bible in different religious texts and went then to, after getting specific readings, uh, et cetera, and different thematic messages, uh, what have you, we had to go then to the National Art Gallery in Dublin and look for paintings that sort of spoke to the messages we were reading about. And I guess it was the first time for me that I had really seen what art can do and what art can say, Um, you know, for being a a visual medium uh, and not really having any audio components, I think it can really, it can really say a lot. And also um, I think it was in that class that I was able to see how other people sort of um, how they were receptive to art and what sort of emotions it brought about in them. And yeah, I think it's, it really, it changed my, my eyes and my view. I mean, I had always, you know, before that I had always enjoyed looking at art, but to really see how it was affecting not only myself, but then others in a group setting um, and seeing the different messages and elements within it, it was really, really cool. Yeah. (laughs) So then I'm curious, I guess, with, you know, all this time, now that we're sort of concluding, I shouldn't say concluding the pandemic chapter, but um, as we're sort of getting out into the real world again, do you have any new projects that you're working on? Um, <clears throat> I am going to be in a magazine where I'm the, it's a new art magazine um, and I'm the cover artist. And so that's exciting because it's like very art focused and I've been in magazines before, but it's never been just about the art. Mm-hmm. So that project's coming up and I've got to get a lot of images together for that. And I just a couple of months ago finished, I, I gave a big um, lecture as part of this visiting artist series for a university in Cambridge. And that was great because um, I had to give like a I sort of gave like a 35 minute talk that I had to prepare um, without notes. And so that was like a unique challenge 
that wrapped up a couple months ago. And besides that, I'm super busy with commissions. So people, you know, that's a big part of my business is people will say like, I love this, but I want it in these dimensions or, you know, you, could you do five boats instead of three boats or, or what have you. And so like, I think of myself very much as like a working artist, you know, like I, every day I have to get into the studio cause I've got to create stuff. Um, and then the single biggest exciting personal project for me is that I'm building an art studio on top of my garage. And um, it sounds sort of like quaint and fun and little, but it's like a massive project. I mean, we had to supplement, you know, the foundation and get, you know, concrete and cement. And I've got this great contractor and my architect is my cousin. Um, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to look sort of like, um, like a sort of revamped barn um, with like exposed beams. Um, mm. And that's really exciting for me because I've been painting out of my dining room for um, like seven years. I painted in my living room and then I moved and I took over the entire dining room <laughs> and I like put in an air filtration system and it, it looks like um, a beat up studio in a dining room. Like it's a sort of a strange looking space. Um, and I've been in there for a long time, saving and saving and saving for like an actual art studio. And um, that I was finally, because of the pandemic, honestly, I think um, that kind of put me over the edge in terms of the savings I needed. And uh, we broke ground a couple months ago. So that'll be completed in the fall. And those are all things to look forward to. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, that sounds so exciting. I think, you know, I can only imagine having a studio then of your own that you can find a space of your own where you can finally like get to work all in one place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, I know no project is ever simple, especially when there's construction involved. Um, I know it's a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, but it took I guess, like four months just to get, you know, like building permits. And this is a this is not a huge, it's not like a separate structure. It's sort of attached to the house on top of the garage, but it, it'll be great. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, I'm, I'm just like thrilled for it to, to come to fruition. Yeah, that's really exciting. And I guess to bring the conversation um, back to where we first started, you know, because hearing you talk about upcoming things you're working on, you're very busy. Um, and we talked in the beginning about starting out in this career and, um, you know, turning your passion into a profession, if you will, I guess, what would you say then to other artists who maybe have been, you know, using art as a hobby, but really do want to turn it into a career, um, and maybe they have hesitations and for different reasons, and that's why they haven't yet. What would you say then to, I guess, anybody struggling with maybe jumping in and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this my profession. Um, I would say three things before you do it full time or really jump into it. Um, just make sure you can make sure you're sort of aware of the financial dynamics of it. I did not leave my job as a lawyer. I still have my law license. Like I still keep it. That's mm -hmm. it costs money to renew it. And I do because it's like, you never know, you never know. So I didn't leave my law job until I had three straight years of like sort of um, sort of consistently selling so that I knew I could kind of do it. So that's just, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a great artist or a terrible artist, you know, figure out if like you can, 
figure out the finances or if you've saved enough that you have like a six month space, let's say, where you don't have to earn any money. That's one piece. The second piece is I think that people think of artists and and maybe writers to a certain extent, maybe musicians, um, but you know, you kind of do it when the mood strikes you and um, when inspiration hits and otherwise, you know, you're whatever, doing whatever. I'm in my studio every day. The inspiration doesn't hit me all the time. I'm sort of trucking along. If I'm not working and I'm not sure what I'm going to paint or I'm staring at a blank canvas, I'm looking through books of impressionists, trying to get inspiration. So I work at it every day. I treat it like a job uh, as I would when I was an attorney, you know, like, and the last thing I would say is um, maybe, maybe think about if you're, if you're an artist, think about actually putting in as much time into the marketing business part of your job as you do to the creation of art. The creation of art is great. If I could, I would just be in my studio for eight hours a day, but I'm not in my studio for eight hours. I'm in my studio for four, five, and then three hours of my working day. I'm, I'm on email. I'm on Instagram. I'm getting back to people. I'm figuring out things like going on podcasts like this to kind of get your name out there. Um, I've got phone calls set up. I've got studio visits all of the administration, particularly if you want to do it on your own, as opposed to have a gallery market for you, you, you got to do it. And I think some artists really um, get nervous about that piece of it. I think there's probably classes you could take, whatever, but a fair amount of your job is not just painting or sculpting. It's stuff that you don't want to do. And I feel really privileged that most of my Working hours are things that I want to do. I mean, so many people in so many jobs in the world, they're not privileged enough to like enjoy their jobs. They're just doing it to survive. And then there's people who are privileged enough where like they're earning a good income, but a lot of their work is drudge work. And um, if you're an artist, like you're so lucky that so much of what you're doing, you love to do like what a gift, but some of it you're not going to want to do and you just have to do it. You know, you just have to do the analytical marketing promotional side, or you won't be able to do it professionally. You can always do it as a hobby, but I don't think you'll be successful professionally if you don't kind of get that piece in place. Definitely. Yeah. I think with so many careers, you need to have a plan. Um, You know, it doesn't always have to go according to that plan, but you have to have some sort of game plan, especially if you're, you know, starting something completely new and taking a leap. Um, And I think, too, a lot of people tend to think that, you know, they have to start something and like right from the get go be a big success. Totally. And yeah, that takes a lot of work. Um, And it takes a lot of, (laughs) yeah, it takes a lot of time to get in your groove and even figure out what lane you want to go down. Um, I think, I I don't know. I keep, I keep running into individuals who do, they think they have to start something just really big and successful and they have to be making like a certain amount of dollars by a certain timeline. And it's just, that's not how the world works. It's just not. Um, So it's better to realize that early on um, before you get yourself in a rut. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and for artists who do it as a hobby, like there's 
you know, keep doing it too. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to make a decision uh, unless it's something you're really desperate to do. I know some people who sort of did it as a hobby and then they were able to retire fairly early, 55, 60, and then they kind of got really into it and started set, you know, there's so many paths to it. And I think one thing that's lovely about being a painter is like, you can pick it up. You can pick it up when you're older, you can put it away, pick it up again. It's not like being a classically trained violinist, but you have to, you know, start early and do all the time or being a professional athlete. Like you can, you can put it aside and come back to it as you wish. Um, and so there's time to figure out what you want to do, but if you really, really want to do it, it will take time and it takes a lot of hard work and you work hard in areas that you may not have anticipated that you needed to work hard in prior to kind of jumping into it. Sure. Well, and I guess with that said, where can people follow and keep up with you and all of the hard work you're doing? Um, well, if they're on Instagram, it's um, Julia S. Powell Art. Uh, S is my middle name. Uh, Shufflin is my middle name. And so Julia S. Powell Art. And um, it's a verified account. So you'll see it's the one with the blue check. And um, for my website, it's just www.juliaspowell.com. So I, um, as an artist, because Julia Powell is a somewhat common name, I always include my middle initial. And also the middle initial, it's the name from my mom's family. And I'm very close to my mom's whole extended family. So sort of like a homage to them as well. Yeah. Well, my parents almost named me Julia and I would have been Julia Roberts. So <laughs> glad they didn't go down that route. Cause then I just, uh, Google searches just would not exist for me. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Julia, this was so great. And, you know, I always love to conclude though, by asking with this being handling it, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned throughout your career, um, whether it be in law, whether it be in art, um, that's really helped you handle your life? Um, yeah. And I, I say this a lot, um, but there's no reason why, you know, I shouldn't shout it from the rooftops. Um, one of my biggest pieces of advice to people is to the extent possible, surround yourself with people who think you're amazing. Because um, if you're going to dive into um, anything really parenthood or a creative life, there are going to be so many moments of self doubt. And so many moments where um, you wonder if you're good enough or strong enough or smart enough or talented enough. And um, if you surround yourself with really great people who bolster you up in those moments, I think it makes for a great life. And so um, I've been um, really lucky to have a circle of family and friends that I've kind of um, honed since I was born. Um, and they're all so positive and they were the ones that really encouraged me to pursue art. I wouldn't have done it on my own and to stick with it and to pursue Instagram and um, so my, my friends and family, their belief in me has really buoyed me when, um, when I was kind of maybe too hard on myself. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Surround yourself with people who think and tell you you're amazing. <laughs> I, love, I love that. I love that. And yeah, I think even, you know, on the opposite end of that, 
you know, be the person to, to reach out and just remind somebody how great they are. Yes. I am good at that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) That's a a really, really true is um, to the extent you get that wonderful feedback. um, I always, um, I always think when you're thinking of something nice about someone or you're thinking of a compliment in your head, tell them. Yeah. Say it out loud. And if you're thinking something, maybe not unkind, keep it in. But if you're thinking something kind, let it out to the world. Yeah. Cause I, I, I think for me, that's always been the greatest feeling when I get a random text or I get a note so in the mail from someone that you would least expect it sometimes too. So true. Yeah. It, it's like a lasting, meaningful impact. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like pay it forward too, right? Like to the extent that you're getting that wonderful um, feedback from friends, you know, reach out to the people who, who you can maybe suspect might need, might need it themselves. So a- absolutely. Definitely. Well, Julia, thank you so much for coming on. This was so great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is very fun. Well, guys, I so enjoyed having Julia on and I hope you enjoyed hearing from her as well. I've left Julia's Instagram handle in the episode description below, and I highly encourage you to check out her page. Her work is absolutely stunning, and on Instagram, not only does she post all of her available artwork, but she shares behind-the-scenes clips of her creating her pieces there as well. So thank you to Julia so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.